Blog Talk Radio. time with Pastor Steph. what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you last week? Ah, we started off last week not shaking the Monday morning blues because it was Labor Day. But we started Tuesday, or let's talk about Tuesday Church Folk Day. And we talk about the two passengers who were kicked off the Air Canada flight because they refused to sit in the seats that were covered in puke. Yes. Uh, the last two seats on the flight of Air Canada, five hours anticipated before they got to their destination, but unfortunately, two women could not occupy their paid seat because the accident that had happened before they got on their flight was not thoroughly cleaned up. No. And unfortunately, you could smell it, and as they brought it to the flight attendant's attention. They were told that they did the best that they could to clean the seats, but unfortunately, there was nothing else they could do about it. So they gave them some coffee grinds and some perfume, and should that have been enough? Well, the pilot came and advised the women, either you get off this flight and you make it your business to get to your destination, or we're going to have to take you off uh, by force, and you will be placed on the no-fly list. Well, they were taken off. Now, we don't know if they were placed on the no-fly list or not, but they did not ride that flight. Now, it's a shame that, you know, this is what we get for our money these days. Yes. And that brought on the conversation You know, what would you do? What would you do if you were in that particular situation? 
and uh, pretty much the Duke Tom Cruise said they'd have to endure it, you know, and then put their fight together on the other end, opposed to being stranded and, you know, left out there. So we ended up in a serious church folk conversation. And uh, I'm going to let you go back and listen because we just might pick that conversation back up this week, God spare. Well, the next day was Wow Wednesday, and we got started with our girlfriend, Vivian, and her socially conscious segment, and Vivian talked about the uh, migrants who started working here legally from uh, being on the list of do-nothing. Yes, one particular man receives work, and uh, he will get a job that requires him to work for 12 hours a day, um, about twelve fifty per hour. And a real interesting piece of information because our average work day does not consist of 12 hours. So uh, we're just kind of scratching our head trying to figure out, well, uh, what's the real deal here? Are you really giving these people work? Or, or is it a slave kind of uh, situation here? Mm-hmm. Makes you want to ask a few more questions, right? Right. Well, Therapeutic Thursday rolled around, and we got to talking about the one chip challenge after a 14-year-old lost his life after eating this chip and taking this particular challenge. Now, the question was, who's to blame? The manufacturer? the one who put it out there. Or can we blame the merchant, the one who put it on the shelf, or do we blame the parent? Now, we're asking this question because on the packaging, on the bag, it says children uh, should not be allowed to eat this particular chip. Yes. And, uh, Needless to say, it fell into the hands of the 14-year-old. Now, technically, they have not come up with an autopsy report that says that the young man really died from this particular chip or this particular challenge. But here's the problem. He died after eating the chip. So now there's just this assumption that he died from eating the chip. Boy, when I tell you a conversation ensued that you want to listen to, wow, when you talk about thought-provoking, you're talking about thought-provoking. Well, Freestyle Friday came along, and we actually continued that conversation. Why? Because the manufacturer made the announcement that they were pulling the chip from the shelves. Now, if you go back and listen to Thursday's conversation, 
you know, mm, why did the manufacturer decide to pull the chip off the shelf? Mm, makes you really wonder. Yeah. Well, the men also talked about how to handle the detours of life. Yeah. And what to expect during this this said detour or detours. And that was a very interesting conversation as well. So last week was power packed, although a short week over here on his detour with Pastor Steph. And I advise you to go back and listen. Yeah. Ah, today is shaking the Monday morning blues. But before we get there, I just want to let you know that last night, the Word Prayer Project was back in effect. Yes, yes, we took a little breaky break. But when I tell you the prayer was powerful, when I tell you that the prayer request, as always, man, you would have not thought that these people had a break. Because when I tell you the prayer requests are, I mean, they were coming through like crazy. And they were intense as we prayed about. Mm, let me tell you what we prayed about because you might need to be praying about that thing as well. Well, we prayed about. You got to go back and listen. Yes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I got to send you to go back and listen. I do, I do, I do. Because you know what? We have prayed over so many things. So many things. And we haven't had the Word Prayer Project since July. So it was a much welcomed practice as we prayed and Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I won't. Pray. I won't tease you. I won't tease you. We pray about being teachable, and that there, that's huge. I gotta tell you, that's huge. That's huge. Huge because we can't advance if we can't be teachable. No, not at all. And we need to make sure that we're always in a growing you know, mode, and we can't grow if no one can teach us. So come on, we got to get ourselves together, and let's make sure that we are always on point, okay? All right. So today is shaking the Monday morning blues, and you know how we do over here. There's no reason to be bluesy, right? Absolutely not. We can't afford to be bluesy. God woke us up this morning. He got us started on our way. And we're going to give God thanks for all that he has done for us. And we're going to make sure we get this together today together. All right? All right. So go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's the time when Pastor Seth is on, and mm, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, 
Don't go anywhere because we will be right back. My name is Jason. I'm 32, and my risk for stroke is increased by five times because I have an irregular heartbeat called atrial fibrillation, or AFib. I'm a face of AFib and stroke because every day I raise awareness about the dangerous connection between them. Telling my story might help save a life. My experience shows that management of AFib can help prevent stroke. Jason isn't a typical AFib patient. It is most common in people ages 60 and older, like me. My name is Pat, I'm 62, and I'm a two-time stroke survivor with AFib, and I'm also a face of AFib and stroke. Unlike Jason, I don't know if I had AFib when I was younger, but I'm telling my story so that what happened to me doesn't happen to you. AFib often has no symptoms. Take action today by talking with a healthcare professional about your risk. Visit stroke.org to read more about our stories and submit your own. Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And we are shaking the Monday morning blues together. Isn't that a great thing? Isn't that a great thing to know? Mm. Wow. I'm so glad that the Lord has been gracious enough to us to wake us up this morning and get us started. And we have so much to give God thanks about. You know, so how we make this happen is how we make this happen. So let's get our morning started. Let's get our little... Uh, what do you call that, health tips together this morning. Well, I came across something really interesting this morning, and it's about eczema on the elbows. Yeah. Now, eczema on the elbows, we've seen this quite often. Eczema on the elbows appears uh, like that dry, itchy, sore skin, and it has that cracking, broken up skin that's really, really irritating. And I came across something that you might be interested in if you have eczema, or if you know someone who has eczema, there are many types of eczema that may cause symptoms on the elbows, and that includes atopic dermatitis, and that's the most common type of eczema, which often affects the elbows. It's typically 
it well, it typically causes dry, cracked, and itchy skin. We have another, which is called contact dermatitis, and is the eczema that occurs after physical skin contact with an allergen or an irritant, or something that makes your skin irritable. Now, we also have numula, N-U-M-M-U-L-A-R, numula eczema, and that causes skin irritation that appears as a round or oval shape, okay? And you have neurodermatitis, and that starts as an intense itching in patches of skin, and that one, if you scratch it, it leads to a rash. Now, for many eczema um, in, uh, patients, you probably wouldn't even know the difference. And so they're telling you to, you know, consult your doctor as to what type of eczema you may have. Now, they're saying that there are risk factors for eczema on the elbows and specific factors that may put you at a higher risk of developing eczema is having a family history of eczema. If you have hay fever or food allergies, remember we talked a little while about the uh, allergens, or food allergy and play a big part in all of this. And they say if you already experience if you already experience dry skin, they say also frequent exposure to irritants, such as working with irritating chemicals. Now, they also talk about living in places with potentially irritating weather conditions such as areas with long periods of cold or damp conditions or just the opposite, if you're living in a place that's consistently hot. Those things may cause eczema on your skin to, um, on your elbows to be more prevalent. All right. What else are we talking about here? Hope you're writing this stuff down. This is some good stuff here. Well, they say the symptoms of eczema on the elbows. They say skin that feels itchy or sore, red or discolored skin, swollen or raised skin, blisters, cracking or dry skin. Bleeding or soreness, especially after you've been scratching, and skin thickening. Okay? Now, they're warning you that most times I think I've seen this happen in people who have eczema. See, this happens. Eczema symptoms can be persistent. They'll go away, and then they'll come back. So it's not something that, you know, you constantly see that stays there. And they say eczema is common in children, and 
they can either, you can get it either as a child or you can develop symptoms the first time as an adult. Yeah. So they say make sure you see a doctor if you notice that it's persistent, it constantly goes away and comes back, or it gets worse. Okay. Now, one of the main things I want to let you know about is skin with eczema is susceptible to infection. All right. Now, you need to watch out for fluids leaking from your skin, fluids that are yellow or colored or crusty, and a feeling of, of warmth to the skin. All righty. So make sure if you have these things that you get to your doctor, do not try to self-diagnose. You know, it's, a, it's real easy to do that. You know, a lot of times we look and go, oh, this looks like so-and-so. Well, that's good, but let it take you to the doctor. I mean, most of us don't pay to go to our, our primary doctor. So if you see this eczema on your elbow, make sure you go to your doctor. And remember, the itching can really cause um, infection. So you want to make sure that your dirty nails don't end up irritating your skin, okay? Or infecting your skin. All righty? All right. Now, today is September 11th, 22 years since the infamous 9-11 occurrence, and, you know, we were all, every single one of us, whether we were, you know, at the Twin Towers or in Washington or you know, whether if somebody was, you know, had someone on that plane or those planes, you know, everybody was affected because it changed the way things were done. It changed our safety protocols. It changed the way we work. It changed the way we look at one another. It changed the way we feel about a certain nationality, it it shifted. It shifted our lives in, in many different ways. And, you know, I was looking at some of the things that they're going to do today, commemorate this uh, particular occurrence. And one of the things they go to the 911 Memorial Plaza and they read the 2,983 men and women and children killed in that 9-11-2001 series of attacks. And the February 26, 1993 bombing of the World Trade Center. You know, when we saw that happen, I remember that that was a big thing here in New York. 
and you would think that certain protocols may have been, you know, put into place, and they were, but unfortunately, not enough to prevent several things from happening on that day. So we have six six moments of silence that marked the times when each of the World Trade Center towers were struck, when each tower fell, and the times corresponding to the attack at the Pentagon and the crash of the United Airlines Flight 93 in Pennsylvania. Oh, so, you know, they have several things that are going on. They say today people around the world join the 9-11 Memorial and Museum to take part in our Remember the Sky, quote-unquote, digital commemoration and active remembrance to highlight our connection under the same big sky. So, like I said, everybody was affected, you know, one way or another. They actually have anniversaries, anniversary in the theaters. So, for the second year, through the partnership of AMC Theaters, they commemorate the anniversary by organizing a group of service volunteers, educators, parents, or colleagues to participate in a free screening of 30-minute anniversary digital learning experience, and that takes place between September 5th and the 11th. There's another commemoration, and they call it Tribute in Light, and each year on 9-11, the twin beings of tribute and light shine, recalling the twin towers and honoring those who were killed. I know some of us have seen that. They have a tribute in light, and they say as an extension of the tribute in light in 22, the New York City tourism and conventions and landmarks throughout the sky lit up their own vacations and rooftops in blue. So that would be like the Empire State Building, that's the MSG, Madison Square Garden. You know, in other words, like multiple buildings that can be seen like the Chrysler Building. You know, that's the one that looks very similar to the World Trade Center. So all these different buildings, you know, they light up their buildings, the top of their buildings in blue to commemorate what happened on 9-11. Let's see. Well, they have the museum, and you can, you know, go and be in between the uh, dates of the 10th and the 12th. You can, you know, go to the museum and, you know, I guess whatever, you know, they have there to commemorate the uh, 911 um, occurrence, you know, that's available. 
uh, for you. There's so many different things. They have the Never Forget Fund. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they say that this supports programs that help students, educators, law enforcement, military, and intelligence professionals to better understand and connect the stories of 911. And you can make a donation in honor of the anniversary. So, you know, they gather, actually, you know, people go down and they actually listen to the names that are read and when they ring the bell and, you know, things like this. You know, I guess some, some people who are still mourning the lives that, are, you know, were lost during that time will never be able to move on in a sense you know, from 9-11, and, and what I mean is that'll be a commemoration forever. There are a lot of things that have taken place, you know, in here in the United States, and, you know, it's kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, trickled off, and, you know, you just have to remember it individually. But this particular date, 9-11-2001, this was monumental. This was a big one. When you think of the senseless, the senseless murders that took place um, on that day, and you think of how heartless people are, how hateful people are, how misguided people are. And, you know, to think that, you know, people were really doing this in the name of Allah, you call God, you know, that, that's, that's heavy. That's so, I don't know how many of you think about that, but you know how we, you know, we get up every day and, you know, we say our prayers and we give God thanks and we pray for peace. You know, these people... You know, they do just the opposite. They don't think anything of lives. You know, they they they'll take they have taken their own lives, you know, for the sake of Allah. And I you know, it's just good to know that we know the God, the creator, the almighty who loves us. And who wants us to love one another. And we wouldn't imagine, couldn't imagine doing anything like that. And, you know, even if you don't think about it in the sense of, you know, well, I got to make sure I get up and I go to the museum or I go here, you know, the names read or whatever, you know, as other people do who may have lost someone, there, you can't go past 9-11 the same anymore. You can't go past September 11th the same anymore. It just means something very different to us. And, again, like I said, when you think of the heartless, because that's what it was. I don't care what you say about 
you know, you're doing this in the name of your God and so forth and so on. It, it's heartless to think that you would just take innocent lives. You think of those people on the plane, you know, who fought back, you know, only to lose their life anyway. You know, innocent people, people who got on the plane just to go to their destination, minding their business, didn't bother hurt anybody. And to think that they were targeted just because they were on that plane that day. And thinking that, you know, hey, how many times have you been in the World Trade Center? I used to work for a company that had, you know, their, many of their offices. And we've gone there uh, many a time. I mean, in the day, in the nighttime, I went there as a visitor to the shops. Listen, I used to take the E-train there at, uh, going to work. And sometimes we would get off there and just walk. You know, sometimes we just go to the shops inside. You think about how you just could have been there. And it's so much to give God thanks for. So, you know, it's something that we really need to, you know, commemorate in our own minds, in our own hearts. And what we're going to do is we're going to move our little prayer period up to this point and go before the Lord a little earlier today. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come before you as we have a special reason to be grateful to you today. As we wake up every morning in our right frame of mind, we wake up giving you thanks, we wake up saluting you, we wake up, you know, making our plans to go about our day. We take a pause, dear Heavenly Father, for what occurred on September 11, 2001, where we can wake up in one frame of mind, there were people who will never be the same again. And Lord, we lift them up before you. They may have lost someone who was on the plane, who was on the ground where the plane landed, who was possibly in the building or right near the building that came down. Lord, we just know that this world will never be the same after that occurrence. And Lord, we're going to lift up those who were responsible, who are still living, who are now in jail, who may even be alive and walking because no one knew that they were responsible, God. Lord, we ask you to deal with their hearts, with their minds, with their spirits. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to touch them in a special way. It's been 22 years since that occurrence. And God, we're praying that they're not today the way they were 22 years ago when this 
senseless, heartless crime took place. We pray that they have given you their life. We're praying that they're remorseful. We're praying that they see the devastation. And maybe even if they were misguided at the time that right now they regret what they've done, that over the years as they have walked this earth or served this time, being punished, God, that understand the devastation that they caused, the lives they've changed, their Heavenly Father. And if they could go back and do it again, they would do it differently, God. That they wouldn't have listened to the individual or the individuals who encouraged them to do what they did. We're asking you, dear Heavenly Father, to change their life right now. That if they've never thought about it before, that at the sound of my voice and other voices that are going out, at this time, on this day, that there would be a shift in the atmosphere for them. That today would be something different. We're thanking you, God, for anyone who you have turned around. Anyone who has taken the time to think about how they're responsible for all those deaths. Lord, we lift up those who lost someone, whether they lost them back then or they lost them over the course of the years because they suffered with some level of toxin, you know, that was in their loved one's body and they lost them over the years. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to just rub their heart. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to give them comfort that the grieving that was 22 years ago is is not at the same level. The grieving that they felt when they lost their loved one or they, they watched their loved one suffer, that it's not the same, that, they, that they're allowing you to hold their hand during this process. Over these years, over the course of time, that those lives were affected and they've blessed others, that they've given their lives to you, that it was a change for the positive. They're not living in a life of depression or just hopeless. We pray, God, that you would offer them a change, that they would recognize, acknowledge, and feel and take you, take you, take you fully and freely. Lord, we're going to lift all of our first responders up before you, whether they were there on that day or whether they're just a first responder period. We give you thanks to Heavenly Father that we have the boldest, bravest, most caring people 
who really, 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 truly love your people, that they have made it their business to service your people. They have given their life for this. And on that particular day, some actually did. They went in deliberately. People who left other states to come and help New Yorkers. They got on planes and they got on buses and they got in their cars and however they had to get here because they wanted to just simply help. For those who gave their lives that day trying to rescue others, dear God, we ask you that you bless their families because that's that was a devastating loss. They could have been someplace else. They could have been with their own families, but they gave their life. They gave their life for others. And for everyone who has become a first responder because of that, we ask that you watch over them in a special way, that they joined for the right reason, that they understand that they are now, you know, ever since they took that position, they actually serve a higher authority. They actually respond to a much higher call than what's here on earth. For all of us, God, who made it out, for all of the individuals who did not lose their life there, who actually were in the buildings but got out, those who broke a shoe, missed a train, overslept, whatever it was, that you rescued them from that devastation that day, we ask you, God, to bless them, that they have given their life to you already because they understand that if it were not for you, they could have been in that other number. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that for all that we lost on that day, for the many lives that were lost, there were many lives that were were drawn to you. And we trust you, God, for the big picture. We may not ever understand why, but we know you know. We may not ever see what you see, but we know that you sit higher than us, that your thoughts are higher than us, that your ways are higher than us. And we trust you for the big plan. Thank you, Father. As all of these uh, commemorations are going on today, we ask you to bless your country. Bless your country, God. Bless all of those who are in it. We ask you to bless this D-Time crew who come. We, we, we get on here every day just targeting your purpose in our life. 
saluting you by what we give your people. And we pray for not just the due time crew, but anyone else who shows up in this world. Time crew. For those of us who get up every day with your people on our mind, we thank you. We thank you, God, for choosing us, God, because your word says that the the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few, God, and we understand that we are called for your purpose. We could be doing anything. We could be drunks. We could be drug addicts. We can be the destitute. We could be anything, and we could be anywhere, but you have spared our lives. to give it to you for the service of your kingdom. And we say thank you for choosing us. Thank you, God, for the rough times that we experience, but you show us that you pull us through each and every time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God, that you open up our eyes, you open up our hearts, you open up our spirits each and every day so that we serve you and we understand that you have called us to be used. We're giving you the glory and the honor today and we're asking you, dear Heavenly Father, to just change this world. Draw all your men unto you. Change even those of us who call ourselves Christians but who are not quite doing what you want us to do. And for those of us who are doing what you want us to do, God, we ask you to give us the strength. We ask you to help us remain teachable, that we have not shut down. We won't shut down. We keep our eyes and ears open as your service to be changed, to be modified, to be stretched, because we have a job to do. And we thank you for choosing us, God. We love you, we honor you, and we give you the glory you so rightly deserve. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your son. If not for him, we would not be here today. Thank you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mm. That was refreshing. (laughs) That was quite refreshing this morning. And whatever you do today, as with any other day, just Remember to keep all those people lifted who were affected just a little more than we were because, remember, we're always in the middle of life. No matter what we are going through, no matter what we experience, no matter our heartache, no matter how our trials and tribulations are just kind of, you know, giving us that jab, that uppercut, that body shot, there's someone who's actually doing worse than we are. Okay, so let's see what we're talking about today. You're welcome. 
Tatiana, thank you for that prayer. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with Pastor Steph today. Couldn't do it without you. All righty. What are we talking about today? Let's talk about these sticky people. <laughs> so there's this woman in Indiana who, for some reason, they don't say why, she was actually pulled over by the cops in her car. And the cops had the canine unit, follow doggy dogs, with them. And they suspected some level of drug activity. Now, again, they don't say why, but they do. And they set out the dogs, and they the dogs indicate that there's a presence of some level of narcotics. So after the dogs indicate the drugs are there, homegirl fakes and I mean she fakes a heart attack immediately and she forbids the EMS from from running electronic tests or really evaluating her condition. So they took her to a local hospital and she refused care even there and she doesn't want them to remove her clothes. So she insists on going to the bathroom and they believe that she's going in there to kind of conceal whatever drugs she's got on her because clearly something ain't right. You know, you have a heart attack, but yet you don't want anyone to check you out. You go into the hospital, but you don't want to change your clothes, none of that kind of stuff. So she ends up telling them that she has a little bit of fentanyl <laughs> hidden in her underclothes. And they say that the nurses said that they spotted a plastic sandwich bag concealed in her private. <laughs> well, they take her to the jail where they perform a body scan and it shows that there's an abnormality her pelvic area. So she says, no, I'm not hiding anything. And <laughs> they end up with her admitting that she's concealed these drugs after all the time. And she removes, they say, an avocado-sized plastic sandwich bag from her private area. Now, they say they test the drug. They find 38.9 grams of methamphetamine, 10.4 grams of crack, 9.2 grams of fentanyl. Now, all of this, including the fact that she had gabapentin and some other narcotics in her car, but the methamphetamine, the crack, and the fentanyl was all in this bag that she had been concealing in her private areas. They say she couldn't really get out of it again because in the car with the gabapentin and the other drugs, there's a notebook that they found 
that contain names, weights, dollar amounts, and the different types of drugs. Why do we do this to ourselves, people? I don't understand. You know, oh, my goodness. You know, you can you imagine trying to walk around? And from the picture that they show, she's not a big woman. So it had to be pretty uncomfortable for her to be walking around with all of this stuff in her private area. Mm-mm-mm. Well, talk about police brutality. They have this Indianapolis police sergeant who, now, I, I definitely got to tell you about this one. He stomped in a man's face who he had already handcuffed. His body cam shows that this particular gentleman was handcuffed placed on his back and was face up when he stomped the man in his face and they got him for excessive force they say he raised his foot and brought it down on the face of Jermaine Vaughn who was not only handcuffed not on only on the ground, not only face up, not only on his back, but he was being restrained by another police officer. All of this was on his body cam. Now, are y'all ready for this? He was suspended without pay, and he's been recommended for termination. After he spends a year in jail, he's been sentenced to one year and one day in prison. That's it. That is it. When I tell you this is some ridiculous nonsense going on here, and they are trying to figure out why there is such a despised feeling for the police force and the powers that be, how could you possibly tell us that this is justice? This man was on the ground. You had already put put him in handcuffs. You already had him on the ground. You already had him on his back. You already had him face up. Now, there's, I mean, how easy would it have been for him to move? Or he couldn't have posed a threat. And then to add to that, he was already being restrained by another police officer. And you brought your foot down right into his face that your body cam shows. And all you got was sentenced to a year and a day. Yo, y'all are out of control for real really out of control. 
So I wanted to tell you before we start talking to our due time crew, they say that they have these, <laughs> these mini thieves, New York City child thieves, who continue to target bars, and the owners are saying they are overwhelmed with deaths by these little mini thieves. And these little jokers are telling the owners of the bars, well, you can't do nothing because I'm just a kid. So let me just tell you about this story a little bit. So they have these Upper West Side bars that are being terrorized by what they call a gang of thieving children. And they have threatened many of Manhattan businesses. And the owners are coming forward and telling about these stories. You have one owner of the Amsterdam Alehouse on West 76th Street. And he spotted one of the kids who robbed one of his patrons back in February. And that little kid was panhandling outside of his business. He said he chased the boy away and went on to warn the other businesses about the child. And the other businesses started telling him how they had already been terrorized by these little kids. They say (laughs) when he approached the little boy, he had done, the little boy said to him that he was going to beat his $8 sign, dollar sign. That's what the kid told him. <laughs> Ooh, baby. He said that's how he responded to him. And he said, you know, I'm going to call the cops. He said, what happens? The police can't arrest me. I'm just a kid. So that's their mentality. And they are no older than about 10 years old. They have been not only targeting Manhattan, but Brooklyn for months. They say graduating from snatching money in unattended bags to stealing cash from open safes, workers, and owners. Now, I don't know how these kids have, you know, you're stupid. You actually leave your safe unlocked, and that's how the kids have gotten to the safe, and they say that one of the little boys who uh, one of the bartenders described as being like seven or eight years old stole a waitress's unintended purse and emptied it out in the bathroom, and there's been... $700 from one safe, one of the little thieves stole from. There was another safe that was left open, and $800 was stolen. But here's the thing that they say at the end of the article. And I said, Dad, this is what's happening. So they say that. One of the kids was 
spotted with his parents, with his mother. Yeah. They say that she was in the bar and the kid was outside the bar. So I have my own thoughts as to what's been going on. Now, it's funny because they're not saying that. But um, here's, here's how they say it. Um, that one of the little boys was seen after the mother went into the bar and her kid was allowed to roam free on the outside. And I was like, mm, you know what, Mr. Rabinowitz, you may not be a born in, but guess what? And why would you be in there drinking? The kid is on the outside roaming, and then all of a sudden you're being robbed. Because, see, what happens is they say when the kids go inside, you know the kid can't go inside the bar itself, but the kid ends up going downstairs. Now, how are they getting access to this downstairs? I don't know. But you know what? Let's talk to our due time crew. Maybe they got some ideas. Ah, good morning, Tamika. Good morning. Monday, Monday morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you feeling today? I am well, thank you. Good, good, good. Well, before we get to our little tiny thieves, let's talk about this Indianapolis police sergeant who stopped the man in his face once he was already handcuffed, cuffed, once he was already on the ground, once he was already handcuffed on the ground and on his back, once he was handcuffed on the ground, on his back, face up, move, up, once he was on his back, face up, can't move, being restrained by another police officer, the police sergeant stomps the man in his face, and he was sentenced on Friday to one year and one day. What say you? I just think that something like that is deplorable. You know, um, the the lack of respect for an individual. I understand that he may be angry, but. This is not how you handle your anger and the time frame that they gave the sergeant. So it's not like you didn't know any better. A year and a day, that's literally a slap on the wrist. You know, and it's, it's you know, it, it does validate why a lot of people do not have a respect for police officers. You know, we, we just went through, you know, trying to uh, demote the privileges, you know, that police officers can do, and this is, you know, this is just an example of why, you know, there's still this fight between regular civilians and police officers, because it seems like even when they do something, you know, they don't really get 
the reprimand as someone else, you know, as a regular civilian. Yeah, you know good and well, girl, that had that been the opposite, had you stomped a law enforcement individual, you should, or even had you stomped somebody else, you know, just a, re- a regular civilian, you wouldn't have gotten no year. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, and exactly. You know, you know that you know it wouldn't have gone down like that. You know it wouldn't have gone down like that. Oh my goodness. Let me ask you, I was reading the comments of the readers. What would you give this police sergeant for this type of action? I think he should serve some really serious time. You know, we we talk about you know let's let's go back to George Floyd. You know where you know you're gonna put your knee on a neck, putting a foot in a face. Come on, really? Like there wasn't anything else that you could have done. You know, you need to get your you, you need to get your anger under control. Um, I would I would say serve some serious time, at least um, fifteen years. You know, a lot of times when when somebody else does something, the first number that they start calling out is 15 years to life. You know, 15 years, minimum. Okay. All righty. Now, you've heard about these tiny thieves that's wreaking havoc in Manhattan and Brooklyn. They say that they're not sure, but they believe that they're in concert. You know, that they are a gang and they are going in to these bars and they've stolen from the staff, they've stolen from the patrons, they have somehow gotten to the safe. I don't understand. I can't imagine having a safe that I leave open. I can't. And they, the two safes, that have been stolen from both merchants admit that they left the safe open, that the safe was open. And they're saying that these kids have gotten $700 out of these safes. But one of the uh, owners says that mom walks in, she takes her place in the bar at the seat, but leaves her kid to roam on the outside of the bar. What's your thought? Now, I, I want to make sure we're talking about the the mini fees, not the mom, or we are we talking about both? Well, I'm talking about both. I'm, I, I, you can comment on just their activity, the mini fees, but when it gets padded with the but the part of the story where the owner says, hey, I'm noticing mom comes and takes her seat, but the son is left to roam outside. What kind of mom is this? Does that raise an eyebrow for you? It, it does, but, you know, when you think about it, um, life and love and protection and coverage is not like it used to be. When we're talking about, now I'm going to start with a mom and, and leaving 
you know, the children. Everybody's out for self, you know. Oh, well, I want to drink, so I'm going to drink, you know. And, you know, somewhere in her twisted mind, she feels like she's still guarding her child because she brought the child with her, which doesn't make sense. You don't have a friend, a neighbor, uh, a, a relative, somebody that could take care of your child, you know, um, if that's something that you want to do, you know, give the child to someone to watch over the child over the weekend. But for God's sake, don't bring the child there and then allow the child to just roam free. You, we can think of a million things, a million dangers that this one child could get into, including kidnapping, uh, sex trafficking, um, and so many different other things, you know, involving themselves with a the gang. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of opportunities for dangers for this child. You know, the many thieves, you know, it would not surprise me in that we have adult thieves that are going into regular edifices, you know, um, drug stores, um, grocery stores, and going in and just racking up and doing whatever that, you know, run and hit, you know, kind of like a hit and run. You grab, you know, the biggest thing that you can, you know, put in your pants leg and try to walk out with it, you know, and in some instances, they win, you know, so... Why wouldn't it be, you know, for a child? You know, I don't know why they specifically targeted bars, you know, um, but, and, and you know, at, in this day and age, you got to be wise enough to, be, to close your state. You know, what makes you think, especially in an area in this day and time, that leaving a safe open at any time would be, you know, so kind of you play a role in that. I'm not saying that it was warranted, but... Just common sense tells you, okay, if there's money in the safe, close it, you know, so that you don't intimidate somebody who may have an issue. All right, all right. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Tamika, and uh, coming back to uh, ask a question of the day. Let's say good morning to our Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you today? <clears throat> I am well, thank you. I'm well. How are you doing? I am well as well, thank you. Good, good, good. We're talking about this Indianapolis police sergeant who put his foot into the face. He stomped the man that's already on the ground, handcuffed and being restrained by a fellow police officer, and they give him one year and a day sentence to jail. What is your feeling here? Well, I have two feelings. Um, one is that, you know, that was definitely uncalled for, and, you know, we, we, we take our authority um, a, a little farther than we should at times, ever. Unless this man is going to be in solitary confinement, he won't last a year. So he's already on death row. You know, um, you know there's, there's people on the inside who don't like police because they're on the inside. So, I mean, Ooh. though you want 15 and 20 years, he's already on death row. So, I mean, he wouldn't last 15 Ooh. years anyway. So that's how I see it. Wow. You know, it crossed my mind. I had the question, okay, so he's going to serve the year and a day, but where? 
You know, I didn't right. even think about it necessarily the way you said it. But I was like, okay, so where in this jail are you going to be for a year? Because you do understand that you're not going to, you know, um, uh, 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 you won't be in, in general population with everybody else because that would make that year a whole lot different than if you were to spend it in a, you know, a little special area in the, in the jail. But, you know, I, I didn't think about it the way you just laid it out, but it's true. If, if they do not cover him and put him in a special uh, area of the jail, oh, yeah, the judge knew what he was doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. The judge definitely knew what he was doing. And that's his way of saying, I'm sick of y'all, too. Right. Food for thought. <clears throat> food for thought, Pastor Kayla. Definitely food for thought. Um, we have these little tiny thieves who have been robbing businesses, but kind of targeting the bars. You know, Tamika said, I don't know why they're targeting the bars. And they, I mean, they have been stealing like crazy. The uh, They've been going down into, you know, the, the basement of some of the, the bars, and they've been stealing the workers' wallets and pocketbooks and all kinds of things. They've gotten into a couple of uh, safes that were left unlocked and even one of the owners said he notices that mom comes in to the bar and leaves her son outside kind of going you know free on the outside what's your thought with this one well mom is a distraction i mean that that's the bottom ah. line right there mom is a the- Mom is a distraction. Mom is going to, mom is going to um, talk to the bartender because you know bartenders, they talk because they want you to drink and drink and drink and drink. So she is a distraction. She's going to see who is the drunkest customers and target them as well. Uh-huh. And then, and then there's going to be some kind of sign when when that customer gets up and leaves the bar. You know, you, you know who's in a drunken stupor and who can't handle themselves. So she's she's the decoy. Uh, she's, she's a distraction. She's the one who says, yeah. okay, this is the one we target. This is not the one we target. You know, so I, I don't think it's a mm-hmm. sense of, you know, there was no babysitter for the children. The children was part mm-hmm. of the party. That's right. That's right. When I read that toward the end of the article, I was like, uh, Mr. Rabinowitz, as my father would say, Pastor Kale, Ray Charles could see this one. Right, like, right, right, right. He's figuring this out. When have we ever really seen, and I mean, we, we didn't heard of some drunk mamas and fathers, but when have we really seen mama or papa sitting on the bar stool and the kids just outside? No! <laughs> like we in Toys R Us. no place else. I don't leave you in the park. I go to the bar. I don't leave you at a friend's house. I don't even leave you outside and just say, go play. You're going to be just so happy. You're going to play outside the bar at the same time 
we have been targeted all of a sudden by this gang of thieves that are mini thieves? Oh, absolutely. First thing I said to myself, wow, okay, you can't see this? See, you're not from the hood, Mr. Rabinowitz. You might be selling in the hood, but we know you're not from the hood. Because if you were from the hood, you would have caught that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, this is just the, the, the new brand um, that's coming through now where mama pretended like she drinking. So I agree with you 100, 100, 100%. Uh, um, Thank you so much for joining us today. I I got a question. You know, in the, you know, we're celebrating the 22nd year of the 9-11 tragedy. And we know that, you know, a lot of police officers lost their life, you know, um, when the towers went down or when um, they went, you know, they were there and they ended up inhaling all the toxins or, you know, whatever. We know a lot of them just didn't make it. And, And here we have, you know, prior to that, we hadn't really heard a lot about this police brutality. It's always existed. But it seemed to have been like like it's gone crazy. What do you think and uh, about knowing that all these people lost their lives and now you have all of this George Floyd killing and all of the, the killings that have taken place at the hands of these corrupt police? And I'll ask you that, Tamika. You know, when you think about, you know, those who gave their lives up versus those who are doing things like stomping a person in their face for, you know, just for the joy of it. What what do you think? I don't really know what to think. You know, um, you you have some, um, we clearly have plenty of martyred individuals, um, those who have fought, um, those who became um, recipients of uh, and lost lives due to just, you know, being somewhere, you know, getting candy, sitting on the porch, you know, being in their homes, you know, and, you know, because of the anger or because of or whatever the officer's intention, you know, the lives you know, how many uh, family members have said, you know, they took, you know, Junebug in and now he's dead. You know, they took him for questioning and now he's dead. You know, there are many, many uh, countless instances like that. And it's senseless. It doesn't make sense. You know, the anger, the frustration from these officers. And again, you know, um, th- there are plenty of times when you say, oh, well, that's it. There's nothing else. You can't proceed. You know, you can't push on with you know, persecuting the person who took your friend, your relative, your neighbor's life, you know, and it, it, it really is senseless, you know, and it seems like there's nothing but a simple slap on the hand for the officer. Right, all right. Pastor KL, you know, we've watched, you know, these uh, cops lose their life uh, 9-11 and how many of them you know, um, lost their life after, you know, um, they weren't there for the towers coming down 
but they were there helping to clear the area and uh, police the area after the 9-11. And because all of this, these toxins were in the air, a lot of these um, first responders suffered cancer and they are no longer with us. You know, what do you think about, you know, now they're being represented but with all this police brutality? It, it seems to have gone buck wild. We've always known that police, you know, there's been corrupt police. But it seems like there's just been some surge. And when you come or when you come up on a day like today where, you know, you're commemorating, you know, uh, you know, the lives of all of those who really, you know, stuck their neck out and lost their life. What do you think of the two? Well, first of all, for, for me, today is a very sensitive day for me because, you know, I, I've told this, <clears throat> I've told the story how I worked in the World Trade Center at that same time, and I was 10 minutes late for work. And had I been on time, I'd be dead right now. So it's, it's you know, it's very, very sensitive for me. Um, the other thing is that, you know, I, 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 my heart goes out to the families who, who suffered their losses, but, but, but it has be, become since we've had this wonderful president called Trump, they've allowed, he's allowed people to, to be themselves, if you will. And, and, and he, he's backed that up. So, so now people think that, that they're free to be themselves, who they really are. You know, they don't like us. They've never liked us, you know, and, but, but, but they was able to hide, you know, or, or play the role, if you will. Now they don't have to. Now, you know, Trump says, listen, you don't have to like them if you don't want to. It's okay. It's okay to say that I don't like you. It's okay to treat you any way, you know, I want to treat you. And I think that's the difference. I, I, I think they, they've gotten carte blanche with, with what they can do and what they can say to us and know that nothing is going to happen. Look, look how we are going through this whole indictment with, with stuff that has been blatantly done. You know, so, so I, I just think that, that he has given them a banner to be themselves. And, and now the people who are, are on the force, they, they didn't just become this way. They were always this way. However, they was afraid to be themselves. Now they're saying, hey, be all you can be. Do what you got to do. Mm. No, how do we, how do we handle, you know, this, this corruption? Now, you would think, that, you know, things would be different after, let's say, the George Floyd set was sentenced and they were given some stiff sentencing, even the one that did not have, you know, the ones that didn't have, quote, unquote, their knee on the neck of George, George Floyd, but just because you, were, you helped it happen. You stood around and you did nothing. The judge is kind of smashing you. But we still have not. I mean, we've had some serious uh, occurrences even since then. The, the, the entire group of officers 
with the with the young man in the street, and if it weren't for the the, 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 the what do you call it the street light uh, camera that caught it all, they may have gotten away with what they did. Nobody would know about it. How do we handle? you know, this whole situation. At one point, it was like, defund the police. Is that the answer? How do we begin to handle, you know, all of these corrupt cops and send a message that this is not going to be tolerated anymore? Who are you posing the question to? Tamika. Tamika. Maybe she's talking to the new button. Okay. Okay, she's she's gotten disconnected. Uh, Pastor Kale, how would you answer that question? Well, I, I think until we change who's in charge, things are not going to, 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 to be different. You know, if, if, if I run my store a certain way and, and the way I'm running my store is running it in the ground, until I change management, you know, things are not going, going to be different with, with the store. Un, 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 until, uh, again, you, you change the personnel, you know, we're going to be stuck in the way that things happen. You know, and, and a lot of times, just, 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 just trying to let people see it this way, if you change management and keep the same people working for you, all they're going to do is say, well, Pastor KL didn't do it this way. You know, and they're caught in that same regimen or ideology of, of doing stuff. But you've got to change the entire, entire store in order for the store to move up. And the problem is that, you know, we, we keep on hiring folks, but management is staying the same. So what's happening is that the management is training the folks how they how they want them to be trained. You know, what, once once you change, you have to start from the head and come down. You know, not not keep on filtering people because now you're firing them or they're getting frustrated and they're quitting. But we still got the same poison. You know, at, at some point we have to get medication to kill the poison, and that's not what we're doing. All right, all right. Uh, Tamika is joined us again. What do you think? You know, how do we handle, you know, all the corruption? Because it hasn't stopped. As a matter of fact, it's gotten worse. It's getting worse. You know, you didn't even turn off your body cam. So either you didn't care or it happened so quickly you didn't even think about turning off your body cam in time, you know, that you, your own body cam caught your action. How do we stop this here? Stop it. I honestly believe that this is this is habitual behavior. This is not something that just out of the out of the sort happens. You know, um, I just believe that you know, um, in in the case of this sergeant that. This is something that you do on a regular. The fact that you didn't even think about cutting it off, you know, um, and I'm not saying that that's a, a, a thing to do for any officer, you know, but um, the fact that you didn't think about it is that was your repercussion. You're angry, and so this is what you do. 
you know, and we have often said that we know that, you know, police officers, wherever they can be, and I'm not saying all of them, um, you know, they, they need help. You know, they, there, there's, there is definitely uh, an issue with the system. There's, there's something arrived. There's, the link in the chain is not, you know, always right, you know, and people are people, whether they, when they put on their suit and, and they become an officer, it doesn't change any difference. So if you've got a, a anger issue outside of your uniform, when you put your uniform on, it doesn't change. It's not like you leave the anger at home. Um, and so the police officers, you know, all of them, they, they need to be evaluated. You know, they're, 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 you know, if there's anger management that needs to take place, then let's do it. You know, but you definitely, with the link in the chain, you need to start examining every link in the chain to find out where the problem is. And then at that point, try to fix it. You know, and not put a Band-Aid on it. Like, this this, this instance where you say you're going to give them a year and a day, that, that is, to me, that's not even putting a Band-Aid on it. You know, if anybody's down from the, you know, down from back in the southern days, they used to put this thing called Mercuricone. It was just this red solution that it literally did ah, nothing. Yes, you know, it was just something that they put up there to make you think that you were doing better. That's, that's basically what they're doing. They're not healing it. They're not even putting a band-aid on it. They're just putting something on it, just, you know, a little tap on and saying, oh, well, this is okay. No, it's not okay. I mean, there's a lot that needs to be fixed for the system. All right, all right. You know, I think part of it is, I agree with both of you, and I think part of the problem is also the um, the the lack of proper history or um, how do you say screening prior to um, your being hired because a lot of um, activity has taken place from officers who haven't been on a job very long. How do we now screen differently? Do you have an idea on the screening process that needs to take place, Tamika? How do you mentally evaluate, you know, um, and if I really want the job for whatever pay, you know, we know that people have a tendency to – exude what you want them, you know, what they think you want. You know, that's a difficult road, you know, and and I believe that the screening, you can't just do one screen and walk away. You know, I I think that you need to habitually, you know, um, do evaluations, you know, and and not give a a certain day, you know, just haphazardly. Today is the day that you get evaluated. You know, that way people don't say, oh, well, next month on, on, you know, such and such a date, I'll be evaluated. You know, just randomly today you need to come in for a screening, you know. And I understand that people have children and situations, but you cannot miss that hearing. You know, you need to be able to go in and get your screening and then go back to work, proceed with business as usual. Okay, okay. Ah, Pastor KL, you know, I, I know for a fact that, there were certain agencies in law enforcement that they'll go to your neighbors, they'll go to your job, you have to have references, so that they can kind of see, you know, who they're inheriting. 
think about that? Yeah, I, is I, that I, enough? I, I think the problem is, um, and and I don't know, I, I guess this is a, a wide problem. This is not in law enforcement, but, you know, people hire out of desperation. You know, people are reactive as opposed to proactive. So when you don't have enough people, as long as I can put a mirror to your face and it shows that you're breathing, then I need you. You know, um, we, we, we as a whole have con- gone from a generation who does not want to work. So, so at this point, you know, we will accept anybody just to fill a spot. And, and most folks know that certain people interview well. You know, they, they, they sit home and they practice and they, they know the questions already because they've been to so many interviews. So they interview well. You know, you know how many people pass lie detector tests? You know, so they, they speak well with, with, with calm and fluidity. You know, and, and they sneak by, you know, um, you, you know, the people, your friends and your family is going to always speak highly of you. So that even gets passed. So it, it, it's, it's very, very difficult. You know, I tell people all the time, I said, listen, you know, when you hire somebody in retail, they, they, they don't come here with the idea that I'm going to steal from you. But if you give them the opportunity, they just might. So the people on the force don't come saying that I want to corrupt the system. But when I get this kind of power, you ever promote somebody who who was really, really good and then they got power and they lose their mind? That's what happens. When you give people too much power, they lose their mind. Mm. How long should the screening process be? Tamika. Lifelong, you know, just like anything else. Because, you know, if you've been there for a little while, you know, you might be all right. You know, I I think that because it's important, you know, um, what has happened in life, what's happening at work, you know, are there frustrations that you can't get out? You know, um, just knowing a little bit um, from a dear friend of mine that was an officer, there's a lot of stuff that's unspoken, things that you can't tell at home, things that you can't really verbalize at work, you know, and so you've been there, let's just say, a year and you're fine. Now you're there 20 years and now you need to get something out. You know, there are, there are all types of things that need to be done. And I think that it's important that as long as you're an officer, that you should have that screening for lifelong because things happen. Changes happen in life. Uh, occurrences happen. You know, something happened at work. Uh, a let's just say a co-worker did something that you know you saw and now you can't say anything because of the brotherhood in blue you know I think that through the length as long as you are working for the officers uh, excuse me for the police department that the screening should continue okay so I'm talking about pre-screen okay I'm sorry I I, I used the wrong word pre-screen before you get the job how can how how long should this process be? I know, like Pastor KL said, because that's the first thing that hit my mind. You know, it's the same thing with the bus drivers and the teachers and all these people. You, there's a demand. You know, you need, after the COVID thing happened and the vaccination and all of this kind of stuff, we also lost a lot of our police officers. And, and we had the other story where the police officers 
where they the entire force quit. So, you know, desperate, you know, we're desperate at the moment. And that's why a lot of this quick hiring is taking place. I happen to agree 100%. But in a perfect world, how long should the screening, the pre-screening be before you actually get the job of a police officer? Oh, boy, since you put it that way. (laughs) That's a really difficult question. And based on uh, what Pastor KL says is is very true. You know, it's hard to pull the right thing out. You want to, you hope that in the pre-screening that you can catch all of that. Um, I would say minimum a year, not less than a year. Um, Because I believe that within... The, the first year, something, I pray, um, would actually show up, whether it's an expression, whether it's a neighbor that saw something that didn't seem right, something in that time frame, we hope and pray, will um, exhibit itself. Okay. Also, Tamika says a year. Pastor KL, what's your magic number? I, I would say a year as well. I, I would say a year as well. I mean, you, you should have resumes, so so you should know, you know, once you look at the resume, you know, is, is this the person that, that, that you might want? You know, and at that point, you, as, as the employer, should be doing your research. Before I even call you in for an interview, you know, three months, four months down the line, you know, I should know something about you, you know, and then I can speak to you. Because I'm not going to waste your time or my time talking to you if I've already found something out about you. So I, I need to go ahead and do my research for about four to six months. And then when it seems like it pans out, then I'll call you in and I'll speak to you. And then I'll do a follow-up follow up on research, you know, be, because you stand in the balance for too many people. You know, too many people are entrusting you to save me. So, so I have to make sure that I cross every T, and dot every I. Because again, in the spiritual world, if I hire you and you go kick somebody in the face, then the blood is on my hands. So I got to make sure I'm doing oh. everything I can possibly do to, to, to make sure and to ensure that, 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 that you're going to make me look good. Because you are a representation of me while I am a representation of God. So if I'm putting all these people in your hands, then, then I got to make sure that I know who you are. Not just because I need somebody to wear a bulletproof vest and go outside and, 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 and play the hero. We don't need any more heroes. Heroes are dying out. We don't need any more of those. We need people who want to stand up and do the right thing. All righty. All righty. Well, as always, the due time crew has come through, and I thank you so much for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you so much. You as well. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, It's almost that 9 o'clock hour. And you know what goes on at mm, this time on a Monday morning. 
Let's get out. Switch with Chartiste. Let's say good morning. Good morning, Chartiste. Good morning, Shanti. Okay, maybe we got some kind of technical difficulty this morning. All right. So, I'll give my my thought. I'll start my summary for right now. Well, you know this this. Uh, Thought of what's going on right now is, you know, very interesting. Like I said, when you think about the um, when you think about the time when you um, when we had to lose, we lost so many people who gave their life because they love people, because they love their job, because they take the time, you know, to show, you know, that they are in it for the right reason and they gave their life on, you know, that September eighteenth uh, September eleventh. They give their life every day, you know, for this cause. You know, they joined the police force to show their love, to show their love for our um, for our communities, for our cities, you know, you, you it's hurtful. It's hurtful, I'm sure, to get, you know, through all of that or not make it and then watch all of the chaos happen right in this police force. And I'll continue my closing after the switch tip that we have right now. All right, let's say good morning to Shantice. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. What you got for us today? Today we have the switch with Shantice where we bring the switch. We bring the switch tip from the streets, <coughs> excuse me, to our godly seat. And our switch tip 162 is thank God for sustaining you. <coughs> Sustain came across two definitions. Strengthen or support physically or mentally or to give support or release to and a couple of synonyms for sustain is help, encourage, or see someone through. And when we think of other names for God and think of all of the things that he does, he is our healer, he is our protector, he is also our sustainer. And I came across a few verses a while ago in one version, but I reread it in the message version. Nehemiah nine nineteen through 21, message version reads, you and your amazing compassion didn't walk off and leave them in the desert. The pillar of cloud didn't leave them. Daily it continued to show them their route. The pillar of fire did the same by night, showed them the right way to go. You gave them your good spirit to teach them to live wisely. You never stinted with, the, with your manna. 
gave them plenty of water to drink. You supported them 40 years on that desert. They had everything they needed. Their clothes didn't wear out, and their feet never blistered. And that last line really caught me, but I couldn't bypass the previous lines. I had to, you know, incorporate all of that together. And if anyone has read the story of the Israelites, this was after God went and, you know, delivered them from the Egyptians and freed them with Moses. But they all they did was complain and nitpick and complain about Moses and conspire to kill Moses. And because of that, their 11-day journey turned into a 40-year journey, even though God had to punish them because they just would not do right and they would not stop challenging him, he was still their sustainer. He still made sure they had their necessities. He still made sure that they were able to live. He still made sure he helped them. He encouraged them, and he saw them through. And when we think about making sure we thank God for sustaining us, how many times have you put yourself in a situation, in a predicament, where you deserve to be smashed by God. You deserve to either be the walking dead, as Pastor Steph always mentions, or you deserve to literally die. You deserve to live in so much chaos and confusion, but yet God still sees to it to see you through. He still sees to it to send you the help, whether you hear his voice, whether he sends you to his word, whether he puts a song on your heart, whether he sends you a person or people to encourage you through his word, through their personal testimonies and their personal life experiences. He always makes sure he sends you that lifeline, and we really must make sure that we pay attention to that. And even thinking of of the story of the cop that was just discussed, you know, and listening to KL, and it's so true, I'm sorry, Pastor KL, it's so true when you think about how long would he last in prison And I know this past Sabbath, one of the things that was highlighted was, despite what you do, if you truly repent and turn to God and you're really remorseful, he will continue to sustain you. So that cop could go and completely be rehabilitated spiritually. Now, if he goes in there and he has this same nasty, prideful attitude, we don't know, and we could assume which way it's going to go, but we don't know how that's going to work out for him. But we have to make sure that we're making a switch from being prideful, from just shrugging your shoulders. And there was another passage that we read in Jeremiah, I believe, where God was handing out all of these punishments, and the people knew that they deserved it. The people assumed it was coming. And instead of turning to God and apologizing and figuring out how they could do better, one of the ladies was like, oh, well, well, it is what it is. It's going to happen, so just bring it on because I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyway. We have to make sure we're switching from that to switching to gratitude and making sure that we're thankful for God helping us, encouraging us, supporting us, and seeing us through because as long as we have breath in our body, despite whether we're a believer or a non-believer, we are always going to do something that messes us up always do something that may have us stumble a little bit in some way and thank God for Jesus who is always petitioning us to do better. But we must make sure that we are showing God that gratitude because he is our ultimate sustainer. Thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Shanti. Your switch tip one more time. Thank God for sustaining you. Amen. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for your contribution into today's show, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you, you too. Thank you. All right. You know, we can always tie that in to what we're talking about today. You know, thank God for sustaining you. And, you know, you had these police officers who have made it. They've made it. You know, if he's a police sergeant, then he's even spent some time, you know, on the force already. And God has sustained him, you know, in his life. And you're able to be out here in your right frame of mind. And what did you do? What have a lot of these police officers gone and done? They've gone and destroyed innocent lives. And when I say innocent, I don't mean that they've done nothing, nothing criminal. But you are, in a sense, innocent when someone stomps you in your face. It's not up to you to do that. And I know a lot of times, you know, there are many times we want to go and and take things into our own hands. But the Lord said, vengeance is mine. That's not up to you and I, a police officer, to, you know, take matters into their own hands. And you've done that when you have stopped somebody in the face. You know, maybe you're angry at what you arrested him for. Maybe you're angry at, you know, something that someone else did. And, you know, you too have gotten on my very last nerve. We we don't have that right. We don't have the right to do that. And, you know, for me, you know, when you're talking about the amount of time that they need to go through that pre-screening, I say five years. Yeah. Someone may think we ain't got five years to pre-screen. Well, you know what? You need to start because what 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 are you up against when you don't pre-screen? You know you know how quickly a year goes by. Now I I agree that if you're corrupt, that that year will reveal quite a bit. It might just reveal that one thing, but there needs to be a long list of do's and don'ts. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of things indicate the type of person you are. You know, we've been having this conversation about who's nice, what's nice. And we've had that conversation here, you know, nice people. You know, if you steal it from me, I'm sorry, you're not a nice person. Because you don't know what, you know, what when you steal from me, what that is going to leave me with, you don't see. You don't see what kind of condition I'm going to be left in. So, you know, you're not nice. If you're a person who's manipulative, I've seen people who are very manipulative, greedy, nasty, spiteful, who will say, I'm not a bad dude. I'm like, but then who's bad? What constitutes bad? If the screening process were longer, you know, a year seems like a long time. Nah. Well, clearly, it's not long enough. And I say, you know, listen, there are other things that you have to be screened 
for that that goes a long, you know, a lot longer than a year. No, I think it needs to be longer, so it reveals more. And again, you know, we're getting this, um, you know, emergent um, uh, uh, situation, and therefore we can't wait. You know, longer than a year. I just got a thumbs up for the five years. Once a year, that's absolutely. Every year, evaluate what you've done over the year. And I promise you, the longer you wait, the more stuff will come out. We're evaluating what you do on your job. We're evaluating how often you change jobs. We're evaluating your children and, and how they're being taken care of. We're evaluating your relationship with your husband or your wife. We're evaluating your mama and your papa, your siblings, your next-door neighbors. Yes, you're saying, Pastor Steph, that's extreme. But listen, we've got a police sergeant putting his feet in face. Now, here's the thing. How many other times has he done something that no one knows about? Look at the fact that he had another officer restraining that individual, and yet the other officer didn't turn him in. Didn't turn him in. Well, listen, that's just subordinate. Look at already the repercussions behind that action. So now you, you're scared, okay, because you you don't know what life is going to be like for you because you ratted out your sergeant. Well, first of all, stop using it as a rat situation. Why have I revealed? That's part of my job, to reveal the corruption that exists. And if I allow this to go on any better than who I'm arresting, that's the problem. We have not made the distinction between right and wrong and who's allowed to do right and wrong. And in my opinion, that job should be gone too. Same way with the George Floyd. Everybody involved. I don't care how much you fear for your job. Then you know what? Quit. Quit. Tell and quit. Yeah, you may have hell. Tell, quit, and move. I... It, 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 it's not that easy stuff. There has to be something that we think about when we accept these jobs. And that needs to be another question in your head. For five years, you need to figure out whether if you were caught in this situation, whether you would tell what happened. You're going to keep quiet and hope that the, they check the body cam, so I ain't got to say nothing because, you know, once they check the body cam, that'll show up everything. What if the body cam malfunctions? Because, listen, it's an electronic device, and by all means, something could go wrong. But you got to be ready to stand up and do the right thing. You got to be ready to stand up and do the right thing. And you have to make up your mind as to whether you're prepared for that or not. Well, you know what? Maybe over a five-year period, 
you'll realize that, hey, this ain't for me. I don't need to be no cop. And not only that, you know, they call it a walking deacon. For a whole year, you function as a deacon. What happens to making them auxiliary cops? Do they even have those anymore? You can be an auxiliary cop for five years. We're going to watch this play out. Oh, that put that uniform on every day, put you in that role, and we're going to see how you function. Oh, I bet you a whole lot of stuff will come out then. So, you know what? There are many ways we can monitor and assess whether, you know, you may not be fit for this job. And although a year is 365 days, I don't think those 365 days are long enough. I think that, as Chantee said, I like that. Every five years, you go back and you review the year. But even more so, make them an auxiliary cop for five years and evaluate them five years. You've got some type of police presence out there. So it, it can work. It works. You know, you have them on the job. They get to see whether it's something that they really want to do or not. Now, you know, with an auxiliary cop, they don't give them a, a, a what do you call it, a gun. They don't give them a firearm. Well, guess what? How many times have they discharged a firearm and they did not need to? Because they were panicking. Because all they wanted to do was make it home. I was looking at something last night and the, the officer told somebody, you know, my family, I have a wife and four kids and Every day they hope and pray that I come home. Well, I'm sorry. So does the man you just shot. He has a family too. And they were hoping that when he came home, you know, that he would come home with a birthday cake, but he didn't make it home. We had plans. We had plans for our family, for our family member, with our children, with his mother. So guess what? Change that and watch things change. Uh, I tell you, we can just go to God and ask him, are these things right for us? You've been listening to It's Deep Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my D-Time crew for coming through big time. As always, thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity. To give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen your relationship with the Lord right now. Because later is not promised to us. Until tomorrow, God says, where it's Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folks Day. Until then, I love you.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.